0: broadcasting from the leadership academy studios aka my new basement welcome to the driven entrepreneur the go-to plan for coaches authors speakers and entrepreneurs of all kinds to start grow and profit a business that you love i'm your host matt brauning and today we have a very special treat Uh, we are on theme as our book is in full swing in full pre-release mode driven to courage we have a driven to courage author with us today who is, again, a real treat for you, I'm very excited. This is someone that um, I've been close to and working together with and really grown a friendship with over the last several years. Michelle Mehta, she's a TEDx speaker, a confidence expert, international, I think four-time, five-time, you, you correct me, best-selling author, a lot of time best-selling author. She's been on the night show with Jay Leno, interviewing people like Deepak Chopra, um, Vincent Fox, a former president of Mexico, ABC TV said, Michelle has overcome the unthinkable obstacles and is one of the most successful team coaches in 2020. That was pretty cool. She's been uh, one of the top female coaches from Yahoo Finance. She's worked with every company known to man, uh, everyone from Wells Fargo to mayors of major California cities and celebrities. She is the whole deal and she's overcome some incredible obstacles in life. Michelle, how are you, my dear?
1: Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. I'm so excited for to be here to celebrate this wonderful journey that we've been on called Driven to Courage. And boy, am I courageous being on your show today. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> now, that's funny. That's funny. You're courageous for being on the show. I love it. Um, it's pretty easy to do, but we're glad to have you. you know, You Michelle, you uh, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you as one of our authors in the book and contribute your story to this is when I heard your story. I heard you speaking and heard your story for the first time. It's incredible. You've really you came out and started sharing a story that you hadn't shared very often, and you've overcome a lot in your life. So, because the theme for this this show and this week is all about um, courage and overcoming, why don't you know share a little bit about that that family history and a bit about your story of what you've had to go through? And what I love about you is you didn't go through and stay there. You went through it, right? A lot of people go to something, but you went through that and you've come out the other side and you're an incredible person with a really inspiring message. But share, catch us up a little bit on, on kind of what is some of the major things that have happened in your life that you didn't expect.
1: Yeah, I think what's important is that I come from an Indian family background and Indian families, as many of you know, it's been, we're so close knit. And everything is about keeping it inside the four walls. I mean, you do not share lingerie outside your window. You do not hang dirty laundry. We and don't part hang of my lingerie journey... outside
0: our window either.
1: But
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a metaphor, right?
1: Right. But I decided to hang it out th- outside boldly because I realized that if we don't change our mindset now, we're never going to change it. I've been in front of hundreds of kids that are in middle school and in high school. And I ask them, how many of you have evil voices inside of, their, inside of your heads? Every single hand goes up. There is not one hand that is slowly hiding. Every single hand goes up, loud and clear. And that tells me a message. We have so much shame around the day-to-day activities that we do. Shame around not getting good grades. Shame around not passing a test on the first time around. Shame around having bad relationships, shame around talking back to our parents. There's just, we're in a shame-filled society and having the shame puts us in a dark spot because we are preventing ourselves from moving forward because we're always worried about what will people think? What will right. my mom think? What will my dad think? What will my friend think? What will my sister think? What will my brother think? And we play ourselves so small that we can't come out out of it.
0: And that's not just the Indian culture, right? Michelle, I, you know, I see that in a lot of different cultures specifically in a lot of different families. But I think even, even if you're not from one of the cultures that has a high like, you know, honor, shame, uh, guilt, you know, (laughs) uh, we had uh, a client just the other day that was, you know, loud and proud saying, Hey, I I'm fueled by Jewish guilt. Right. And she was like, you know, the Jewish mama kind of person. And I just cracked up because she was like, Hey, that's the story, right? That we, we come from this place of the guilt shame family, but even the, you're talking about, this is everyone, right? Everyone, even if that's not the family, not the culture, we still are running with shame behind the scenes. And you walked through something, um, some, some t- t- easy for me to say some tough stuff early on in life and growing up in your family. Is that right?
1: That is absolutely right. I mean, when you talk about like going through a relationship And the man says, you need to take care of that. And what am I referring to is I got pregnant by this man. And it was our baby. And instead of saying, let's be responsible together, he said, you need to take care of that on your own. And that to me was hard to digest because, yes, I was in my 20s and I was an adult, but I didn't have the courage to tell my mom. Or my dad, or my sister, that hey, I'm thinking about getting an abortion, or I'm on my way to the appointment where they're going to abort my baby. And it wasn't until six years later where I told my mom, oh, by the way, there's a part of my story you guys don't know about. Let me tell you.
0: Six years later. Yes. Man, what does that do? Because you're talking about really secret keeping. And as you said yourself, out of of shame, out of guilt, out of all those things, out of disrespect or dishonoring or whatever the story is, what does that do to someone? What does that do to you when you're carrying something as heavy as that, as hard as that is, a decision like that you can't take lightly, obviously. When you carry that for six years, what does that do to you and what did it feel like to, I guess, finally share it?
1: It did a lot. First of all, I felt like I couldn't trust anybody because it was a programming that was created when I was younger. I was molested by my cousin, which is my dad's brother's son, somebody so close to home. And I thought older brothers were supposed to protect me. And because we were somehow changed the same grandmother, I thought it was responsible to not share, to, to keep the family peace. And then when I got my abortion years later, I thought, oh, it's just another thing I just have to cope up with. If I can keep a molestation a secret, abortion should be no big deal. And that's exactly what happened. I kept it a secret. And when I started realizing that my coaching career was going to take off, that I was going to get invited to speak more and more, and I needed to upbrand, like label my website and brand my website as a confidence expert, I realized that I needed confidence in myself and in my family to let them know, guys, I'm not who I am. There's a whole dark side of me that you need to know about. And the only reason why I kept it a secret was because I didn't think it was a big deal. Well, but you, now,
0: and you're, and like you need to share with them that not I'm not who you think I was. Only I've been through other things. Yes. And the great thing I, I love about you too, I just want to kind of interrupt for a second, is that you know you're a, a clear example of once you acknowledge that, and I know we're going to get to that, but you acknowledge your past and you owned your past. But once you acknowledged and owned your past and shared what you needed to, it doesn't control you. And right, you're a, a very shining example of someone who doesn't live in the past, but you acknowledged it and you're like, that doesn't own me, I like I own my future. Can you talk a bit about, about I guess the process of doing that, right? Be, you know, I just find it be hard to look in the past and say, man, this terrible thing happened to me or I did this terrible thing or whatever our story is, but you looked right, you looked your past right in the eye and said, I own you, but you're not me. And then you made a 180 and you stare at your future. I, f- I feel like a lot of people would struggle with doing that emotionally. How, did you have any kind of coping ways or what was your mental, emotional, spiritual strategy for being able to do a, a about face turn?
1: Yeah, I remember sitting at Planned Parenthood telling me, The doctor was like, you know, we can't measure your heartbeat. Oh, and by the way, sign on this line because you might die. And I knew in this moment, there's a whole life ahead of me that I'm not going to die today because I knew that there's a reason why God put me in this situation. There's a reason why I put myself in this situation. I didn't know then that I was going to be a coach for teenagers. But having that experience made me realize And the connection that I had with teenagers back in 2019, by rewriting my story that I'm not good with kids, my sister is, I'm more better with adults, seeing those kids in my in front of me, and I said, I need to take a stand for them, I need to help them, I need to do something about them, I need to be the change I want to see in the world. And it starts with me. And it's because of my journey. And there's a reason why God chose me to go through this journey, living in the Indian family household and keeping it a big secret. There was so much more to life that I needed to experience.
0: When you see those kids now, again, it's something I just, I I love so much. When, When you connected the dots with, this is my past, I own this, I didn't have the support, and whatever it is, right? We're not blaming someone, but whether it's no one knew you were going through it, so they didn't offer it, or whether they wouldn't have anyway, or whatever the case may be, you were, or you felt like you were, That you had to be alone in this when you were younger. What's different now? How you would approach a new, like, another Michelle, right? If you see a Michelle out in your audience, or you have a chance to meet, whether it's a, you know, high school or junior high or 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 beyond, right, like in the twenties, how do you approach a young woman or a young man differently if you're helping one of these kids compared to maybe how you felt like you were going through that time,
1: knowing that. Despite that we might be feeling alone mentally, we're not alone physically. There's always somebody around you that can support you and that can hold your hand. There is going to be shame. There's going to be judgment. And the reason why we offer shame and judgment first, because that's all we know. When we were growing up, the first things we knew was, no, don't do this. Don't do that. It wasn't, go ahead and do this go ahead and do that. It was never that. It was don't go there. Don't test that. Don't this. So we are automatically associating with the word no. But if you come from a place of I need help and you show vulnerability of, look, I am a situation where I'm now in a relationship with this man and I'm pregnant. What are my options? And you always have two options, a yes or a no. Yes, I could keep the baby. Then what's going to happen? Do I get up for adoption? Or no, I'm going to abort. And the reason why I'm aborting is because I'm not ready to be a mom yet. And I don't want my baby asking me, hey, mom, do you know where dad is? Everybody else has a dad. How come I don't have one? And my answer to this baby would be, I don't know where he is. What do you mean you don't know where he is? You don't have his phone number? No, I don't have his phone number. I don't know if he's alive or dead. And that conversation was so traumatic for me that I said, I cannot raise this child knowing that he only has a mom and does not have a dad, even though a dad was part of his creation.
0: Well, let me ask you this too then, because I, I think this is, and I don't want, this isn't an episode about abortion, right? This isn't no. a, a political episode by any stretch, guys. So please don't, uh, that's not the, the take. Um, but it makes me think, right? It's like you, when you were younger, had a different set of resources, a different belief system. Um, You talked about, you know, feeling alone in it and having to hide things. And and it makes sense in my mind that like going down that road of, you know what, I can't handle it and I'm all alone. So what choice do I have? Do you not feel like if, and I know it's weird as a man trying to say this, but just hear me out, hear what I mean. Right. Um, That now a young woman has more options. Has more ability, right? Because hey, now with your help, with with you know, shedding the shame, shedding the guilt, it's like, well, let's stand together. Let's have community come around. Let's have family come around. And if family doesn't want to come around you because it's whatever, then you know, there's community to come around. There's coaches to come around. There's people like you that can really help and say, listen, it's a hard conversation, but you can have that conversation with your baby, and it's gonna be okay. The right. baby's not, you know, three year old's not gonna go. What do you mean you don't know dad? they're just going to be able to grow up and be loved by you. So do you not feel like there's now there's more option and more choice and more resourcefulness when you're coming from a place looking at who you are today, right. Versus who you felt like you were back then.
1: Absolutely. I did not know that there was a whole world of coaches revolving around women who have lost babies. I mean, there's a whole thing about rainbow babies, which is moms who have been pregnant again after a miscarriage. Oh wow! Or having and having a you know a full a term baby after going through and experiencing miscarriages in their past. So there's so much more support and awareness that we have in 2022 than we did in the early 2000s. I mean, there used to a coach used to be a taboo. Now there's literally a coach for anything and everything. Like the when the iPhone came out, when iPhone 3G first came out, there was an app for everything. There's literally a coach for everything. All we have to do is do a little bit more Googling, a little bit more research, and you can get support. And part of me didn't feel like I needed to share with my family because when I had my first abortion, I was already in counseling. I was already checked into therapy. So I thought, I'm just going to talk about this experience I had, bring it up, I'll heal from it, the end. Same thing with I was already working with the life coach with my second time. So I thought I helped, I healed right away. I didn't realize there was going to be trauma buried in, beneath me over the years, because I talked about it. I solved it moving on because life is so short, in my opinion, to dwell upon the things that are not working.
0: That's really well, well said. I I'd write well. that on the hope that's a bumper sticker right there. Life's too short to dwell on what's not working. Michelle Mehta. I love it. Which, <laughs> By the way, you can follow Michelle at I am Michelle Mehta on Instagram and Facebook. She has some good stuff on there. Michelle, mm-hmm. kind of pivoting for a minute here. Um, you now, of course, you've been full-time focusing and working with teens, working with confidence, and I know you'll stretch and work with some older you know, young adults and uh, and so forth. Um, What are some of the, I guess, some of the most important aspects that you've uncovered or you focus on? So if you worked with a teen right now, if I say, hey, man, my my kid's struggling with something, what are some of the either signs or struggles that as a parent, I'd want to know about to even know I want to find a Michelle to help me?
1: Yeah, see where their lack of motivation is. Okay. A lot of parents have a complaint that the kids are lazy. And you'll see these (laughs) kids literally (laughs) sleeping in class. And you're wondering what's going on with them. But then they're not motivated because sometimes they're so creative that writing numbers on a sheet of paper is not their jam. Doing geometry or mathematics or algebra or writing an essay in English is not their jam. And we label our kids with such harsh words, such as you're lazy, such as you're dumb. How could you not know that? But they don't know that because no one taught it to them.
0: Well, you're not dumb. Now it's just you have a disability. Now you just have something wrong with your brain, like trying to be nice. But even that is so unbelievably judgmental and limiting because it's not true. You don't have anything wrong with your brain because you have ADD. I think you got something right with your brain.
1: Exactly. And that's it. It's just the expectation that we have on these kids is so high that we start seeing the kids as adults versus stepping, taking a step back and be like, how was I when I was their age? What was life then when I was their age? Granted, they a lot of adults didn't grow up with social media like the kids are growing up with right now. But then get curious, ask questions. What is it that you're searching on social media? What video game are you playing and go from there?
0: Let's talk about that a little bit since that came up. I really love that. Um, So first you're saying, you know, they're not necessarily lazy and certainly don't say they're lazy just because they're sleeping in geometry class, but then they can stay up till 3am playing Fortnite and there's no issue. So it's like, well, are you really lazy or are you uninterested in uninterested in things? But then you talk about social media. And I think that's something that, you know, I have an 11 year old son, as you know, you've met him um he like he doesn't have any social media accounts and i don't plan on doing that yet and in the next year two three you know as that comes up and his friends do we'll have that conversation but i am scared is a little strong of a word but i am very intentional and a little concerned on what the future of social platforms will be for these kids that are growing up not knowing anything but and can you talk a bit about some of the maybe some of the problems For teens growing up now, preteens and teens growing up now that don't know anything but social platforms, what is it doing to them? What are some of the issues? And then we could probably talk about also as a parent, um, how can we overcome that? You know, and I get it. You know, your seventeen-year-old daughter, you can't say you can't go on TikTok ever because ever, you know, she'd be shunned. So how do we help them to engage the platform without? the judgment and losing confidence and all the, the negativity that, that can come from it, the comparisons and so forth. So what are some of the problems and then what can we do about
1: them? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things is that obviously you're comparing your life with the people on social media. You start seeing, oh my God, they're posting a picture with, with their family in Bora Bora. Here I am sitting in Grand Rapids, Michigan, stuck at home. What am I doing? Hey, wrong?
0: hey, hey, easy there. Right. But yes. I want to go to Bora Bora
1: so that comparison but really understand what is the reason of them posting right figure out what put their put yourself in their shoes why are they posting are they doing it for attention or are they just showing that hey look i just had a great time here's where i'm at and letting it go a lot of people what happens they overthink the issue they overthink the posting right and they start then putting themselves like a lot of times people are like well you know, Kylie Jenner does this and Kim Kardashian does this and Khloe Kardashian does this. How come I'm not like them? But you're oh, not. You don't
0: have a billion dollar enterprise based on 20 seasons of reality TV, right? You're not a product. Exactly. <laughs> you're not a commodity, my dear son, my dear daughter.
1: Right, right? exactly. And, and that's, that's what happens. And that's what happens. And that's the thing is that we are not, we are blindly following social media really, without realizing the impact that it has. And then, all of a sudden, impact is created around it, and the awareness is created around it, People all of a sudden go, it's, either, it's like either 100% yes or 100% no. No one likes to play in the gray area of social media, unless you hang out with Matt Browning and team, where wow. they play in the gray area because they're creating a brand for themselves.
0: And, and I do feel like I was just having this discussion with someone today, Michelle. I do feel different, where I don't like social media. A lot of it, I really don't like. And I go on. And I have to go on and then, you know, Hey, if you follow me, I'm glad you do. Thank you. It's at Matt Browning, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, all of it. Um, and I like, I, I like, some of the interaction, but what I, there's a lot that I don't like and I find myself wanting to live my life and not go on there. But a big part is what you were just saying is, you know, it's a comparison frame. And I love the idea of tell your kids, ask them is what you just said, ask them, you know, what's the intention for why someone's posting something? That's really big, you know, because is is it to brag? Is it to make themselves feel better? Or is it because they want to share with the people they know the nice vacation? And if you just think, what's the intention for this? To me, it would take a lot of charge off of the need to compare, right?
1: Exactly. Because all of a sudden, you're not comparing anymore. You're just letting it go as, as is. Yeah.
0: Oh, of like, poor course. Is- like, she wants to, she needs to brag. Like, I get it, you know. And she wants to, you know, she probably needs to feel a little better about herself. This isn't about me, right? Right. This is about them. That's the whole key.
1: Exactly. Because a lot of times what happens is we put ourselves in that situation when we're not even there. We watched movies left, right, and center. No one puts themselves on the movies because it's hard to get. It's not at your fingertips all the time.
0: But anybody can be a TikTok star.
1: Anybody can be a TikTok star.
0: But even that, there's a lot of people who are not TikTok stars and they do a lot of TikToking, and they have, you know, 20 views and they still spend so much time doing that. So, okay, let's flip the other way. If you have a, a teen that is, I don't know how to define this, but going down kind of the addicted road, it seems like they're having trouble. And look, guys, you can turn this around. As an entrepreneur, you probably like, you see the world differently than a lot of other people. So I can watch grandparents almost just as easily as a 13-year-old gets sucked into the social media world and they didn't even come up for a breath from their phone during the whole dinner. So, Michelle, when you see someone that you have a bridge with and you care about, they're, you know, your family, and you see them getting sucked in that road that's just not good for them, what are some, I don't know, some tips or or ways to communicate to help them uh, come up from out of that place?
1: Get curious and ask them questions. Okay. I noticed that you've been on your phone. What is that you're watching? Watch it with them. Discuss huh. the content that they're watching.
0: That's really good and super simple, but yet completely opposite of what most parents try to do, correct? Exactly. Oh, are you still on that phone? Get off the phone. You're still playing that video game? Oh, my gosh. I can't get him off the game. I hear that all the time. I can't get him off the game. But you never hear a parent say, I went down to the basement and said, you got an extra controller? What are you right. playing?
1: I do know a father that does that though.
0: Well, there's one. There is one. Yeah, he's he's he'll still 360. And he'll scope me and he'll he'll destroy me at Call of Duty. But nonetheless, um, but it is different, isn't it? It's like, and I've watched that. I've experimented as well. We've had these conversations offline, Michelle. Like, I've experimented with if I say, "Hey, come on, quit doing that." It's like, uh, he doesn't understand. But then if I just say, "Hey, oh, what do you, what's that video? That's cool." All of a sudden chatterbox right like if your kid's not talking to you isn't this a great way they start opening up they start sharing and look you might not get minecraft or fortnite or tiktok or whatever they're doing but at least you can begin to understand them more and they might actually begin to overshare because you care so
1: exactly sometimes what happens is that our kids don't kids feel like their parents don't care and the kids feel like they don't understand because the kids are going through the i know it all phase and realizing that favorite. they forget that the parents have also been there, done that. They may not know everything, but they do know some things. And that's where you have to have that bond of get curious. And when you get curious, just say just just curious. What is it that you're doing? All of a sudden, the word curious creates like drops the barrier.
0: It's no longer a judgment. It's no longer a punishment, right? Because it's almost like, hey how long you been on that thing and you know that if it's been too long that means now i have to do chores and and that's a very different conversation than hey i'm curious i love that michelle you're so good at that and and you know when i see you and i listen to you talking about this i think of you as like the cool aunt i think it's pretty neat where you know, like when you're speaking to the kids and you were just telling me the story before we hit record um well tell, tell us that story real quick I think, I think you just spoke it at the at high school right
1: I did. I spoke at a local high school here in Los Angeles, and I got invited to teach kids about mindset and mental health because the school had gone, had undergone some mental health issues such as a local gun shooting and bullying and fighting. And so the school really needed to up level their mindset gain. And the mental health teacher reached out to me online, like Google, you know, NLP practitioner looking for NLP tools to learn for himself. And reached out to me and said, can you teach me NLP? And I said, I'm not qualified, but I could definitely speak about it. Let's have that conversation. And he booked <laughs> me in as a guest speaker for three Fridays in a row, right before school was about to end for summer. And I got in there and I talked to them about gratitude, affirmations, and learning about the way they communicate about themselves and the way they communicate to others. Because there are some tools that we learn part of our training with Matt Browning and team um, about how do you communicate? Is it through kinesthetic, through feelings? Is it auditory, through hearing? Or is it visual to seeing? And sometimes so much is lost in translation because sometimes people feel before they speak. Sometimes they see before they speak. Sometimes they hear before they speak. And sometimes they feel like everybody should listen the same way, communicate the same way, but that's not the reality.
0: Wow. And just and by
1: teaching these kids this awareness, it allowed them to take a step back and be like, wow, we are all so similar, yet so unique.
0: And what a great place and what a great perspective, really, not just for kids, but for all humanity to say, hey, we are so unique and we are so similar. You know, we all have a beating heart. We all are trying to communicate. We all want to be loved. That's really, really special. Well, Michelle, that's another
1: it- bumper sticker.
0: Oh, that's a bumper sticker right there. I love it. You created something neat. I just want to plug this for you. You created the motivate your teen success guide, 10 secrets to motivate any teen, help them be confident you Guys, you can get that at michellemeta.com. That's M E H T A MichelleMeta.com. Tell us about the motivate your teen success guide um, plug away. Cause this thing is awesome.
1: It's basically 10 steps for you and your team to communicate. We talked about kids being on the phones all the time. Why not use this 10 step guide to sit down with it and dissect each tip at the dining table and figure out what is it that is happening in their life? What event happened in their life? What experience did they just recently experience? How did you react and what was the outcome? Because that is something that I teach about. Your event or your experience is constant. The way you react is up to you. You can react positively, you can react negatively. You can react with the clap. You could react with the stomping on the foot. How you react determines the outcome. So some things like that are important. Also, we come from a place of judgment. That's what we've learned from the time that we were born. We judge people by their color. We judge people by culture. This is allow you to stop judging them, stop setting expectations, and just be present with what they're saying.
0: Come so from a tend- neutral point. So these 10 secrets then, so that's that those, these are some of the secrets and, and these 10 secrets can actually be great. It sounds like conversation starters. You know, when we say a lot, you know, and I heard you say this a lot, you know, hey, put your phones down, have real conversations, you know, have dinner together or talk. But then the next question, it's like, gosh, what do we actually talk about? How do you, besides how was your day? So this is a great idea where, you know, use these 10 secrets and you can actually use each one as a different conversation starter. Uh, to reconnect with your teen around the house that's such a cool idea well again that's free it's 10 secrets to motivate your teen and help them be confident The motivate your teen success guy michelle's got that for free uh, and then of course our book and michelle has written an entire chapter for driven to courage how to deal with the unexpected and come out stronger guys remember that's in pre-sale right now through july 15th uh it is exciting because michelle you share your story a little bit about the story you shared earlier but you go into some more detail and really there's some incredible principles and lessons that come up from there. Uh, but you share your story in there. And then you share your, your principle, your character trade about how to have courage and how to overcome in life. And again, you've certainly overcame. So guys, you can get this. It's $20 during presale. It's a super deal. I mean, that's what the book costs anyway. It's 20 bucks, but you get $20 during the presale. We're included shipping, no extra charge. You get the ebook, you get the audiobook. You get two tickets to a live breakthrough personal development event that I'll be speaking at, Michelle will be speaking at, um, four-time Olympian Ruma Gonzalez is speaking at, Olympic Motivation. We have some great, phenomenal speakers at Success Revolution. That's all free, too. You get tickets for free, two of them. And there's a huge co-author gift bundle worth thousands where Michelle has a gift in there. And every single person who contributed to the book is giving a gift to you as an ethical bribe for you to pre-sale uh, and grab the book before July 15th only 20 bucks flat and you can get michelle's story my story all of them in there michelle any last i don't know advice bumper stickers love you want to give to people before we we wrap our time together you've been so great so generous thank you
1: i just want to say you have to achieve it to believe it that's it you have to achieve it to believe it and that dream is yours that conversation is yours and whatever you put out there will come back to you in twofold you have to believe in yourself because no one else is going to believe in you more than you will
0: hey you heard it here first. Believe in yourself. No one else will, except for maybe Michelle Meta. Coach Michelle might believe in you until you believe in yourself. Guys, that's the show this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with my dear friend Michelle Meta and co-author of Driven to Courage. Again, it's on pre-sale now. Now's the time to grab it through July 15th. You can get it after July 15th. It's 20 bucks. You can get the book. Uh, but if you do it before, it helps us out a ton with pre-sale numbers and all that and you get literally thousands in bonuses and free gifts and things. So check it out at dot com slash presale, and you can get your copy now. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Remember, you can do this. Whatever you're focusing on, you can do it. Get out there this weekend and stay driven. Bye-bye.